The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh, and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. This is the Gospel of the Lord. O Lord, may your word only be spoken, and may your word only be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And speaking of Christmas, how many of you got something from L.L. Bean under the tree this year? How many of you own something from L.L. Bean? Every hand should be up. I can't believe it. We in our family are loyal customers and have been so since I was a child when on summer vacation we used to go in at all odd hours of the day and night. As some of you may know, it's open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. And uh, we spent many times in there in the middle of the night looking for something to do with uh, a family with young children who didn't feel like sleeping. Some of you may know also that uh, recently a book was published about L.L. Bean by the Harvard Business School called L.L. Bean, The Making of an American Icon. I haven't read the book, but I happened to be at their uh, Burlington store when it was opening, and uh, Leon Gorman, who is the grandson of L.L. Bean, was there autographing copies of the book and trying to generate a little business for the store. The book tells the story of how the company grew from a simple, small store that uh, sold an excellent leather and rubber boot. How many of you have a pair of those? 
how it grew from a little store that sold an excellent leather and rubber boot, among other things, how it grew into a $1 billion enterprise that is one of the most respected brands in the world of corporate retail. The challenge was to balance tradition with change and to base a business on some bedrock core values to guide it. Now, I suppose I could draw some kind of extended parallel between the birth of a small child in a manger and the emergence of a great world religion on the one hand and the opening of a small store in Maine and the growth of a billion dollar company. But I won't. <laughs> what really caught my eye was uh, the blurb that was part of the publicity for the book. It was printed on bookmarks and other bits of publicity about the book. And it's a quote from the book, and I'm going to share it with you. It's what sets us apart from all the others. Not just that we have a story, but that we live by it. It's what sets us apart from all the others. Not just that we have a story, but that we live by it. We have a story as Christians. A most precious part of it is the Christmas story. Other important parts of it are outlined in the Bible and in the history of the church throughout the world and throughout the ages. We also have stories as individual Christians. For example, the story of how we found ourselves here at Trinity Episcopal Church in Concord, Massachusetts. The story of how we found ourselves in the Episcopal Church. Or the story of how we found ourselves in any church at all. And, once we are here, we might ask ourselves, how do our stories mingle, or in what ways do our own personal stories as Christians mingle with the Christian story? or the Christian stories. As I approached this gospel text that Spencer read this morning, I couldn't help but think back to the quote that I just read to you from the book about L.L. Bean, from a book about a very successful business. Because this Sunday's gospel is a critical part of our Christian story. Of course, John's gospel is sort of the highfalutin, or the prologue that we, that we heard from John's gospel this morning, is sort of the highfalutin fancy theology behind the birth of my baby Jesus, of our baby, of the baby Jesus. Wow. Not my baby Jesus, our baby Jesus. So in thinking about this gospel passage, I really I began to ask myself, how well... Do we live by the story and stories that those of us who call ourselves Christians claim to profess or claim to confess as our stories? The particular snippet of the gospel that spoke to me this morning was this one. The word became flesh and lived among us. I have to say I prefer... The King James, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
But anyway, there it is. The Word became flesh and lived among us. Of course, on one level, this little snippet is the assertion that God took human form in the person of Jesus in a unique and unrepeatable way in the first century in what we now call Israel-Palestine. And this view was taken by those who had experienced the unique and unrepeatable resurrection of this same Jesus and who had experienced as well or had known people who had experienced his remarkable life. And it has been the Christian church's proclamation, part of the Christian church's story for centuries, beginning with John, that Christ was somehow also God. That the Christ created the world in some way. This has been a crucial part of our story. Now, exactly what it means to say that Jesus is God or that Jesus was part of the creation of the world has been the subject of debate for centuries. What exactly that means, we're even still arguing about, and it was certainly argued about in the, in the early church. If you look at the Nicene Creed when we get there and say it in a few moments, you'll notice that the central section, the one that talks about the relationship between Jesus and God, is the longest one. A lot of words there, trying to figure out, trying to parse out exactly, well, what is this relationship? So it's not, and that hasn't changed, I would say, in the, in the 1700 years since then. There's still disagreement about what it means to say that Jesus is God. But what does it say, what does it mean today to live by that piece of the story it says the word became flesh and lived among us. This part of the Christmas story. What does it mean to try to live that story? And I've been thinking about this particularly since Frank Butler was here a few weeks ago. Frank Butler uh, preached on December 9th and gave a forum about uh, the ministry of money and uh, spoke about, among other things, about his experience uh, working with Mother Teresa uh, with her and uh, the other nuns, with uh, the sick and destitute of Calcutta. And he told us that every day after they'd come back from their uh, work, Mother Teresa would ask them a question. And that question was, have you seen the face of my Jesus in the poor today? Have you seen the face of my Jesus in the poor today? Now, as I think about that question, I find myself kind of jiggling the Bible verse that I wanted to focus on this morning and change it a little bit from the word became flesh and lived among us and change that a bit to the word becomes flesh and lives among us. I think it takes repeated acts of imagination, but I think to live by this part of our story, that the Word became flesh and lived among us, requires us to see each and every human being as in some way the face of Jesus, of showing us the face of Jesus, and therefore the face of God as well. The implications of that are huge. Again, we might want to do a little altering here, this time to Mother Teresa's question. We might ask ourselves, 
at the end of the day. Have you seen the face of my Jesus today in the person who most infuriates you? Have you seen the face of my Jesus today in the person who most frightens you? Have you seen the face of my Jesus today in the person who most saddens you? Have you seen the face of Jesus today in those closest to you whom you may take for granted? Recently, I observed a situation where some playing children had gotten into a little spat, as they sometimes do. And the importance of remembering the presence of Jesus in the face of all people came crashing home to me again. In this little group of children, one child said to another, actually to her good friend, that she didn't like people with brown skin. Now, the parents of both children were present, and the parents of the offended child, the one on the receiving end of that comment, the parent of that child rushed calmly and powerfully to reassure her child that she was beautiful and that she was loved. And the parents of the offending child, the child who had offered this statement, tried to reason with her, uh, tried to, uh, with using their own hands and hands of other uh, children and people nearby to compare skin tones and to show that everybody had different colors of skin and they were all beautiful, and also tried to reflect with this child on how hurtful her comment made the other child feel, how hurt that child was. Now, both children felt awful for different reasons and both sets of parents as you can imagine felt awful again for different sets of reasons fortunately the parents were able to speak respectfully and lovingly with one another about the situation and to keep lines of communication open the children are still working at it but the parents uh, in this instance perhaps unusually are leading the way And this was all good in a situation that could have been very explosive and in a culture where explicit discussions about race that take place in a calm, compassionate, respectful manner are incredibly rare. So there was actually something to celebrate in this situation. But in a heartbreaking, though hopeful, but also heartbreaking way, I was reminded how important it is for Christians to carry this part of our story around with us and live by it, especially with regard to our children. And that part of our story is that Christ is present in every human being. And that makes every human being precious. The birth of that little baby in Bethlehem, which we honor as a precious part of our story, serves as a reminder that every human Every human, every human, bears the imprint of the Word who became flesh, who becomes flesh, and dwells among us. Amen.